In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel intercede for me. As you are well aware, May, as the spring has now arrived, is a very special month because it is the month of Mary. It's the month in which we have a very special recourse to our Blessed Mother. We all pray to her with very special devotion, filial devotion, and we ask for her protection and try to really keep her very close. We are very lucky in this chapel here. We have a beautiful image of our Blessed Mother who holds the child who is so luminous and beautiful, and St. Joseph who protects her. And it is a great help for us to have such a beautiful image of Our Lady. And I'm sure in your home somewhere there is a prized image, maybe an icon or some kind of image that you have of Our Lady that can help you as you walk into the room or in the living room or something where you have that image and you just give her a good filial glance of devotion. And in particular, this month is quite unique because we want to be particularly united to the Holy Father, Pope Francis, in this marathon of prayer during this month of May, 2021, in which he is uniting the entire church to, to pray to our Blessed Mother to intercede for us in order to bring an end to the pandemic that is, that is affecting the entire world. And, uh, and so we turn to, to Our Lady now, and I'm sure you, you might have seen the images of the Holy Father at the very beginning of, the, of May, in which he... He prayed in front of this 7th century icon of Our Lady, Mater Ecclesia, Mother of the Church, with a few other people there. Of course, the, the number of people had to be limited. But there were many souls united to him throughout the entire world. Not only people now, but throughout the centuries, thousands and thousands, probably millions of people have prayed in front of that icon of Our Lady, Mater Ecclesiae. It's a simple image, after all, it dates to the 7th century, but uh, so you know, imagine all the people that went there, you know, that pleaded, the, the pilgrims, the, the simple Christians, uh, the poor, the popes, the, the, I don't know, the kings that went in front of that image of Our Lady. And there are many beautiful images of Our Lady, and many of them have these great sort of stories and adventures about them, how they were lost for centuries, then they were found again, and, or where they were placed, and some of them are associated with miracles.
Well, now we have this, at least this occasion that the Holy Father has chosen. It will be really a, a good boost to our own interior life to be particularly united to the Holy Father, who is now praying with the entire Church to Our Lady. Together with, I think, something like 30 pilgrimages, or rather, pilgrimage centers or, or shrines throughout the world. And uh, I know some of them, like uh, the, the Holy House of Loreto there in the Marche in, uh, in Italy, and then the Shrine of uh, the Virgin of the Rosary in Pompeii. I remember visiting that some years ago. But throughout the world, there's shrines in Nigeria, there's shrines in Argentina, like Our Lady of Lujan, which no doubt is dear to Pope Francis. There is uh, St. Mary's Cathedral in Australia, right? Uh, uh, there's Our Lady of Lourdes in France, which I had the chance to visit as well. Just, just before I got ordained, we, we passed by Our Lady of Lourdes. Then there is um, Our Lady of Nagasaki in Japan. There is uh, Our Lady of Montserrat in Spain, where St. Josemaria used to go and visit. There's, in Canada, Notre Dame du Cap, in Three Rivers or, or Trois-Rivières, just between Montreal and, uh, and Quebec City. That's a beautiful invocation. Then there is uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Who can't remember Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico? And uh, then there, there is uh, Our Lady of Alterting in Germany, uh, Our Lady of Lebanon in Harissa, and many other places. Uh, some of them I probably you know, can't pronounce them very well, but uh, it's beautiful to see that in all these places, in different days of the month, people will be praying in a particular way. And we do that now because we need the protection of our mother. We need her protection. The whole world needs her intercession. So that we go back to normal? Well, so that this situation, this global pandemic, really be an occasion to come closer to God, to have more confidence in His divine providence, to love God more, to love others, and even in a proper sense to love ourselves. Something can happen with this situation. That is, God can draw some kind of good. Oh, a lot of people draw a lot of panic out of it. But with the protection of our Blessed Mother, she can help us to be perhaps more stringent in our desire for holiness, to love her son. That's all she really, really wants. That's all you want, oh, Blessed Mother, here you are. You who are here in this, just in this image, but who are looking upon our Lord, He is here present in the Blessed Sacrament. And the, the image, or the, maybe perhaps the invocation that St. Josemaria used to like to use, St. Josemaria, I have a picture of him here, but he, he used this image or this description. He said, Our Opus Dei was born and grew up under the mantle of Our Lady. Under the mantle of Our Lady. She has been a good mother, comforting us, smiling at us, helping us in the difficult moments of the blessed battle to bring forward this army of apostles in the world. 
and he even had a, a beautiful painting made that shows the Blessed Virgin with a mantle kind of covering some members of the work and then a kind of a pedestal with the seal of the work, the, the symbol of Opus Dei, that has been slightly battered and bruised and stuff, but as an indication right, that she is protecting us. And even, even Pope Francis used the same expression. He said, mother of succor, succor or protection, socorro in Italian, Socorro, Mater di Socorro, he said in St. Peter's, welcome us under your mantle and protect us. Sustain us in times of trial and light in our hearts, the lamp of, of hope for the future. That's what he said in front of that, that beautiful icon of Our Lady. And so we too have to go to this invocation of Our Lady and think of her as a mother protecting her children under her mantle. And this image is an ancient image, the image of all these people huddled, uh, protected under her motherliness. And it's really, it's not a physical protection, it's a, well, it's a spiritual protection. Her warmth, her shadow, her presence, her motherliness. And we have to imagine that now in some ways she's protecting over or watching over our souls or watching over watching over us because she values the the infinite value of our soul in grace the infinite value of our soul in grace our soul suffused with God's love where we come to discern our purpose, our mission, because we know that, that uh, we have a path and that our, our mother is watching over us and ensuring that grace is there. And like any mother, she would feed her children, she would nourish them. And that's why we need her protective mantle. Because there are dangers. There are dangers that we get maybe down or, or perhaps even worse, that we get indifferent. Could happen that we get indifferent. Imagine that. There's a painting of her with a, with a mantle in the 15th century. It's part of a massive polytic, or what do you call it, polyptic, that is num numerous paintings on a retable, painted in uh, 1462 by Piero della Francesca. Uh, I believe it's in uh, San Sepolcro in Tuscany. And uh, it is called uh, the Madonna della Misericordia. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it, this image had a huge impact on an atheist journalist who went there one day and saw this this massive uh, image and it really shows her maybe she looks somewhat stern and but below her are kneeling all the members of this pious confraternity who had commissioned uh, Piero della Francesca to paint this this painting and um, there's all these figures there and uh, 
the contrast said that he had to do it uh, in a fairly short order but it took him I think it took him over three years because he was overwhelmed with uh, so many other things actually it was the contract was for three years but it took him I believe I believe something like 17 years but there she is extending her arms with this great mantle and there's like a gold background and it makes it look like a three-dimensional space where they're all kneeling there and it's almost like like the mantle the space she's creating is like a it's like the apse of a, of a church and uh, that's kind of what she does for us she protects us there as she does those pious members of that confraternity and then all around there are all other scenes of the passion of uh, John the Baptist and uh, um, you know other figures right, that were popular or devotions at that time. Now Catholic theology has always insisted the singularity of the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, and uh, she is let's say singular compared to all of the rest of humanity because she's the only person, as far as we know, to have been conceived without the stain of original sin. And uh, the first one to have actually believed fully in Christ and in his mission, becoming as a result the mother of the Redeemer, while at the same time conserving her virginity. She's both mother and virgin. And she shared in the mission of Christ and as well that of the, the early church. And she did so in an incomparable way. She was later assumed into heaven at the end of her earthly life as a special kind of privilege that was only reserved for, for her. So that's why we say, we say that she is like a model of humanity. She's, like a, she's a model of what God wanted us to be ultimately. Eve was first the model, Eve and Adam, but they, but they sinned. They fell into sin. So that's why we say she is the new Eve, and Christ is the new Adam. And, and so she reveals to us what theology calls the new man, of how God envisaged humanity from the beginning. Right? She's created, after all, she's not God. She's not like Christ in the sense that she's God. She's not God. But, so she's created. But that's what, that's what God wanted you and I to be, all of humanity. And so she reveals to us what God wanted you and me to be as sons and daughters of God. There was one theologian who said, Eve was the anthropological sketch of woman, a sketch. Mary is the restoration and perfection of the project that failed. Right? So you do a sketch, uh, you know, you don't get it quite there, and it's yeah, it's nice, but it's uh, that's you know. But then, you, based on that sketch, you 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 make like an insane, beautiful painting. Right? That's what Mary is, and she's our mother. Even Dante, the famous Dante Alighieri, the famous. Italian poet who, who in his, in his Divine Comedy, right? He goes to, he goes to hell. He goes to purgatory. But then at one point he goes to paradise, 
he goes to paradise and he sees all the people there in paradise, the saints, and, and he says, Mary is the face which most like, which is most like that of Christ. I mean, he sees people, all the saints with all their virtues, but, but Mary, like, like, that's what he says in the Paradiso. He says, in you, Mary, there's mercy, in you, piety, in you, magnificence, in you is gathered up all that is good in creatures. In creatures. I mean, Jesus, strictly speaking, is not, is, is incarnate, but he is God at the same time. So, that's why we say that her holiness should not keep us distant. Like, we, sh- we should not think, oh, I can't be like that. It's way too hard. It's like way too hard. I'm just a miserable sinner here. Well, yes, we are sinners. But we have to seek to imitate her, you could say. And her holiness does not make her less human. Because sin is not an integral part of God's plan for humanity. Sin is not an integral part of our life in the sense that it, we, it exists, of course, but it's not what we should, we, we shouldn't, uh, let's say, desire it. It does not humanize us to sin. It dehumanizes us. You know how we say, well, I'm only human, I'm only human. Yeah, okay, we understand what that means, but really, when we see that as an excuse, to not to struggle against sin is really actually dehumanizing us when we, when we sin. This is what St. Osiria says in Furrow. He says, From this you and I and everyone may be sure that nothing perfects our personality so much as correspondence with grace. Nothing affects, like improves our personality when we correspond when we correspond and so we could say that Mary, our Blessed Mother makes the path to holiness more more amiable, more coherent more accessible at least from the moral standpoint and also of course from the spiritual standpoint she's the icon the image and the mother of the church itself that's why she's shown there protecting. She's protecting us. She's full of grace. And yet Mary is most in solidarity with all of humanity. And the purpose of grace is not to make human or Christian life somehow easier, but rather is to make the entire life of Christ present in us, in, in us, the, the, the believer. Because, well, we know the devil is prowling about seeking to make us despair. And maybe he's taking advantage of this, this latest pandemic, not, not the latest pandemic, but this pandemic to, to make us despair, to get us anxious, to make us lose confidence in God, to make us a little bit shrill in our imagination of what this means and also to kind of lose a sense of Our Lady's presence. St. Peter says he looks around creating a sense of anxiety. He looks around the devil of uh, 
making us fear the future, of making us unwilling to surrender our trust in God. We have to go around super protected, overly stressed, cleaning our hands every five minutes or every four minutes. My, my phone has an app that reminds you to clean your hands, uh, I don't know how many times. I mean, good, we have to clean our hands, but it can make you, like, it can make you stressed. Not that we have to be nonchalant or uninterested uh, in that sense, but we do have to have confidence in Our Lady. And, you know, think that it is really quite amazing to see that when she the Blessed Virgin, when she appeared on the hill of Tepeyac in Mexico in the 16th century, in in the year 1531, she sold herself as an indigenous peasant to this simple peasant, Juan Diego. And then she showed him flowers that, that naturally that that he that not didn't well they grew there but not at that time of year he he bundled them into his little tilma that is his kind of cloak right his mantle precisely his mantle a rough and poor mantle and there she left this stunning image and when he unraveled it in front of the bishop Sumaraga so she showed her beauty on a rough, roughly hewn mantle, or cloak, or tilma, and is telling us now, I'm your mother, stay confident in God, keep praying, I'm with you even if I'm in the kind of rough poncho of your life. She protects us under her mantle, like like we see her underneath her mantle, but she f- appears physically on a on a mantle, on a, on, a, on a tilma, on a cloth, on a on a cloak, so that we can venerate her. The two seems to me are are curiously connected. She protects us under her mantle, but with her mantle, so that we can see her and venerate her. That's the first thing. I wanted to mention is, is, is the value of feeling protected under her mantle and looking at, often at images at Our Lady. Maybe we can make that resolution right now. Just have somewhere in your home a nice icon or a nice image of Our Lady knowing that she is kind of watching over you, the, the idea that you know she is there. The second thing I would say, just to finish our time of prayer here with Our Lady and our Blessed Lord, is that one um, expression that is used now to refer to the Blessed Virgin is that she is called the spouse of the Holy Spirit. Spouse of the Holy Spirit. So um, this is particularly um, pertinent now as we prepare for May 23rd, which will be the coming of the Holy Spirit then in Pentecost. And... And she's called the spouse of the Holy Spirit. Well, we know that there are many invocations to Mary in the, in the litany of Loretto. Uh, you know, like uh, all kinds of, you know, mother of hope, mother of our creator, mother of divine grace. Now, 
Pope Francis has added some, like Mother of Hope and Mother of Migrants, or you know, all these different uh, invocations, cause of our joy, vessel of honor. But we don't say in the litany that she is spouse of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we can ask Pope Francis, can you add spouse of the Holy Spirit? No, but but um, you know, he's he can do that. He's Pope. He can ask. He can add invocations. I mean, the closest we say is maybe we say, well, we say, God, the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Mother, divine mercy. But that's not really the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's sort of, but... Uh, so why is she the spouse of the Holy Spirit? Well, St. Augustine says very clearly, he says, the Blessed Virgin Mary was the only one who merited to be called mother and spouse of God. She became the mother of God because she was the spouse of the Holy Spirit. And how do we know that? Well, we know that from when uh, the angel Gabriel came to her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow thee. Will overshadow thee. Now that's, the, that's what that phrase, spouse of the Holy Spirit, is based on. That phrase from the angel, you know, this, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, basically. That's the basis. And, um, well, you have overshadowed me, Lord, during these years of my life. You've overshadowed me, just as you overshadowed Mary during her life. I mean, after, at the end of that exchange with the angel, the angel left her. He said, okay, you shall call him Jesus. And then it says, the angel departed. Something like that, right? He just left. He left. He's gone. But she wasn't alone because the, the Holy Spirit continued to be present with her. The Holy Spirit wasn't just like a light or a zap that zapped the child in her. The Holy Spirit continued to be present in her life through sick, through sin. He kept overshadowing. When we think of overshadowing, I don't know, maybe we think of it in terms of something that is perhaps ominous, you know, that like a, uh, to shadow, like a, something maybe dark or something. But, but the phrase, you know, under the shadow of your wings is a phrase that is common in Scripture, in numerous passages. I looked it up, I mean, in Psalms, there's n- numerous passages, you know, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me under the, under the shadow of thy wings, we read. And other passages, right? So it really, yes, maybe it can sound ominous to some, but, but really it is a phrase that is meant to suggest to us protection. I don't know if some of you read that, that beautiful book called Under the Shadow of His Wings. It's just that harrowing uh, experience of this young, young German seminarian during World War II who was, he was drafted into Hitler's dreaded SS just at the very beginning of World War II and he managed to get through this without betraying his Christian ideals. Against all odds, he faced this evil. I don't know if you remember, his name was Gerion Goldman. And he was a seminarian, but then, like, it was just uh, amazing stories. Uh, during the war, he, he ends up actually being ordained, and he, he's able to minister to other Catholics, right? And, uh, and then he gets, uh, of course, expelled from the SS because he refuses to make an oath of allegiance and so forth. And he almost gets executed. I mean, he comes this close to getting executed. I mean, he was on, he was on basically death row, right? But, well, under the shadow 
of God's wings. I mean, he was definitely under the shadow of Our Lady. And he often talks about his devotion. Right? And uh, and uh, it's it's a it's a harrowing story and it's adventuresome, but it's true. Like it's really true, right? I recommend you read that. Gerion Goldman under the shadow of his wings. It's a, it's a it's, a, it's very good for young people as well. So we ask you, Lord, protect me. Protect me now. Above all, so that I always be faithful. I always resist, with your help, any temptation to do it all alone. Any temptation to despair. That's the only way I could really be happy. And we know that the people of God themselves felt overshadowed always. God moved Abraham to leave that comfortable life in the land of Haran and to go to this unknown future into the land of Canaan and then Moses too he brought the people right across the Sinai desert and to the promised land King David also felt overshadowed and so many other saints experienced this in their life and uh, so because she is the spouse of the Holy Spirit she will overshadow, the Holy Spirit will overshadow us. She is the spouse of the Holy Spirit, and we invoke her, somehow the Holy Spirit will overshadow us. Have I felt overshadowed during this pandemic? Where I work, in the family? It doesn't mean nothing will ever happen to us. It doesn't mean we will never get sick. But whatever does happen to us, we can see it through the prism of God's love, even suffering. It's this confidence that the Holy Spirit is always overshadowing me, watching over me, has a purpose for me, for my family. She is the spouse of the Holy Spirit and she will be able to to be there to help us to respond more rapidly to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Because God calls us to, to be close to Him. Well, let us finish with that and let us not get too anxious. She'll keep us calm. You know, I read that story about St. Francis de Sales, who, when he was a young student, he used to go to the uh, La Sorbonne in, in Paris and he used to hear the debates between the Lutherans and the Calvinists, and they had fierce debates about predestination. Like the Calvinists believed in double predestination, meaning that there were some people that were predestined to hell and some people that are predestined to heaven. So no matter what you do, if you're predestined to hell, you can't do anything. You're just you're done. You're just going to hell, you know. And so he began to think, well, what, what if what if I'm predestined to hell? He really began to it it really began to sort of uh, eat away at him that he was doomed and that he was going to end up cursing the God that he loved and it really made him panic in fact he couldn't sleep he he there's one point he just couldn't even eat anymore he just thought no matter what I do I'm going to be condemned and and so one day as he was like going in crazy but he, he saw a church so he ducked into the church he saw a beautiful image of Our Lady and he knelt down and he said he made that he made that resolution he said no matter where I might end up in the next life at least I will spend it loving God no matter what 
Then he got up and he suddenly felt this enormous peace. He said, well, he said a memorari, he said a memorari, and then he felt this insane, wonderful, beautiful peace. All the fear was gone. He felt truly, right, under the shadow of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would guide and prompt him to where God wanted him to be. Thanks to Our Lady, because he said the memorari, and then he was suddenly kind of like more attuned to the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit was saying, chill, man, I'm with you, like relax. No, that was because the Holy Spirit was there, but is because of the promptings. No, it was because Mary, because he had prayed to Mary, and she had interceded for him. We can do that as well. We can ask, uh, with every memorari, you say a memorari, Remember we say, I am not, not left unaided. That's what we say. Remember our most gracious virgin? Never was known that anyone was left unaided. So she'll help you to be more docile to the whole promptings and to have that peace that the Lord wants for us. And of course, to bring an end to the pandemic. Let's pray for the Holy Father and, and be very much united to his intentions. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.